0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org.
1: Can you do that again? Yeah! Everybody worships our God who does great things a little differently. And that's a beautiful thing. If you would, have a seat for just a minute. I have some things I want to share with you. Glad you are here today. I'm Joe Still, uh, one of the pastors here if we haven't had a chance to meet, and I'm grateful that you're here. I hope you had a really wonderful Thanksgiving celebration, and we're grateful that you have chosen to join us for what we consider to be our, our weekly celebration of the great things that God has done and continues to do in, in our lives. We're so glad that you join us today. Uh, I want to especially welcome any maybe first-time guests. If this is your first-time uh, at River Bluff, I want to welcome you in a special way today and encourage you on your way out if you'll stop by our welcome desk out there. Uh, we've got a, a gift that we'd love to give you uh, and get to take the opportunity to get to know you just a, a little bit better and uh, because we consider you one of the great things that God has done by bringing you uh, to worship him with us and so we want to thank you for that oh, today's a a special day for a couple of reasons one we're kind of watching two Uh, initiatives that we do annually around here uh, at this time of the year. The first one is the Week of Prayer for International Missions, and I'm hoping that you will choose to participate in that. Uh, It's a week-long focus uh, where we cover our international missionaries uh, in prayer. It also gets our hearts prepared uh, to give sacrificially and generously towards that work through the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And so I'm going to ask you to to be a part of that great work. There are prayer guides on your way out. You can pick one up on on one of the tables on your way out. If you're a a regular at River Bluff, you should have already received one in the mail. If you're one of those people that loves things electronically, you can sign up uh, to be text a message each day with a link that takes you to even more information about how to pray for our missionaries uh, in the field, and as you're being prepared by the Holy Spirit to give generously and sacrificially to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, uh, I want to I want to encourage that uh, because it, it, and I want you to know that every penny of that offering goes directly to our missionaries in the field doesn't pay any administrative costs or anything like that it goes for the work that, that they're doing so uh, this morning we're actually going to pray for one of those missionaries uh, it's a missionary family uh, uh, the lynch family that serve in belgium uh, belgium is one of those european countries where about one percent of the population uh, is evangelical Christian. So it's a place of great lostness, and people are desperate for the Lord. And uh, one of the ministries that they serve in, they serve people who are battling depression and among whom the suicide rate is astronomical. And so we want to pray for them and pray that every time that they meet, that the hope of Jesus will have traction in the lives of those people that they're serving and ministering to. So join me this morning as we pray together. Father God, we come in the powerful name of Jesus, the name above every name, the the only name in whom there is hope in this life. And so we come praying especially for the Lynch family. God, the, the, the sacrifice that they have made to travel overseas to serve you, Jesus, to serve your gospel, to serve uh, people who are living in great brokenness. We pray for them now. We pray, God, that every time uh, they speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus, God, that it would have power in the lives of the listeners. We pray, Father, for the gospel to be uh, clearly communicated. Lord, we thank you that where your word goes forth, it never returns to you void. So I I I pray again for the Lynch family right now that your hand would be on them that your peace would fill their heart and mind, that every need that they have for the mission that you have given them would be met. And I pray for us, God, as you prepare our hearts over the next few days and weeks to to give sacrificially, stir us to generosity and sacrificial giving. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Second initiative that we are launching is something that we participate in um, annually with churches all around the world. And that is uh, the journey through Advent. Now, like we do so often, you know, uh, we are a people uh, of the book, this book. But we don't always do things by the other book. And so we're going to be doing things just a little bit differently. We know that Advent doesn't officially begin until uh, December 3rd, next Sunday. But we're going to do our teaching series. Uh, We're stretching it out a little bit further so that each of the themes of Advent Uh, has a message associated with it and so I want to encourage you if you're going to do uh, one of those advent journeys and I would encourage you to do that a reading plan through advent you probably won't start till till next Sunday uh, and that'll be a great thing but we're gonna we're gonna start out of the gate uh, a little early so that we get to focus on each of those themes hope and peace and joy and love and then on Christmas Eve uh, we'll focus on Christ himself, but I want to encourage you to maybe show up for each of uh, the messages in this series. If not, you're going to miss something special, and I do want to encourage you to, you know, think about what this journey of Advent is. Advent is simply a celebration of the arrivals of Jesus, and with his first arrival, we, we celebrate you know, through adoration uh, his birth and, and first coming. Uh, we celebrate in advent and look forward uh, in the future with anticipation to his second coming and we look around during advent with aspiration of becoming like jesus Uh, taking every moment and every day as an opportunity to learn from jesus how to live like jesus the up in and out life of jesus that's that's our heart as disciples of jesus now each sunday of advent uh, a family will lead a time of scripture reading uh and and prayer and the lighting of the advent candle Uh, our teaching team like i said is going to bring a a unique message for each of those themes with the big idea for that day i'm excited that pastor dean is going to launch us today uh, bringing us a message uh, of the hope that we find in christ now today uh, kathy and i are going to get this thing started Um, hopefully we're going to actually get the candle lit this this time um, because I I challenged, I had some struggles last time. Kathy?
0: Today, Today we light the first candle on the Advent wreath, the candle of hope. Along with Christians all around the world, we are using this light to help us prepare our hearts and our minds for the coming of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we receive God's light as we hear the words of the prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Romans 1:16 through 17, we hear... For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, What a privilege it is to be able to come into a place this morning where we are free to worship you. Thank you that you have provided this for us. For those around the world who do not have this freedom, we ask that you be extremely close to them. Give them peace as they cling to you for their strength and hope. And as we focus on hope this morning, as our church enters this time of celebrating the one who gives us hope, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I ask that you open our eyes and our hearts to see the ones with whom we come into contact every day who need this hope. And I ask that you help us not only to see the need, but that you will help us be bold enough to share this hope with them. Now I pray as we continue to worship that you will receive our worship and that you will help each of us to hear what you have to tell us. We love you, Lord, and we lift all of this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: If you are able, we're going to ask you to stand again as we worship our Lord.
2: Father, we thank you. We thank you that you saw it fit to send Jesus to us, to, to have him take on our sins, die on the cross on our behalf, Lord, and then rise again, Lord. We thank you for that, because now Jesus is the living hope for all mankind. So, Lord, we, we thank you that you decided to have us partner with you And spreading Jesus across the world so that those who do not know Jesus can hear of him and be saved. We thank you that we get to spread the living hope across the world, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that you also give us hope for the future. For when Jesus returns again, and when he returns again, again, sorrows will go away tears will dry up, Lord, pain will be no more, and we thank you for that, we thank you for the living hope that we have now, and we will have in the future, and Lord, we look forward to the day where we will all rejoice and celebrate in our living hope together, in Jesus' name we pray,
3: amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ty. Well, good morning, River family. It's so great to see all of you, and I know we're ready to go on our diets after all of that food at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I know I am, but it was it was great, and in that spirit of Thanksgiving, uh, I'm, by the way, I'm Dean Infinger, associate pastor here, but I, I just want to say thankful, say thank you to so many of you here. I'm so thankful for all, for all of you. Um, I was having... Uh, prostate cancer treatment for six weeks down in Jacksonville and so many of you uh, sent me emails and texted me and sent cards and gift cards and thank you so much for that. It meant so much to me but especially those prayers. Thank you for your prayers and I'm happy to report it was a complete success with no side effects. So praise the Lord. God is good. Well we're here this morning to talk about hope. And the hope that we have in Jesus. And I'd like to start first with um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1 and verses 32 through 33. So read along with me. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom There will be no end. This is the word of the Lord. And this passage of scriptures talk about the angel who came from the presence of God to Mary. And Mary at this time is this young, teenage virgin. And he comes to her and he says, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And he will be great. People were going to call him the son of the most high, and he's going to be a king, and Mary, his kingdom will never end. That's great news, and now she is a young teenager who's a virgin who's now pregnant. So imagine how awkward that would be with your family and friends to be in that position, even though you know you've been visited by an angel, but to convince people of that, or maybe to convince your fiancé, Joseph. And Joseph was really ready to end that relationship, to divorce her quietly, but the Lord sent another angel to him. And then, at the very end of her pregnancy, she has to travel to Bethlehem for a government census. You know, and it's it's so crowded in Bethlehem, there's no place to stay. And they feel lucky to get out of the weather into a manger. And it's under those conditions that Mary goes into labor. So it's not an ideal beginning for Mary. You know, and it had to be difficult for her to travel that late in her pregnancy. We know it's approximately 90 miles between Nazareth and Bethlehem. So ladies, imagine that you are a week before your due date, and your husband comes to you and says, hey babe, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on a week-long hike into the mountains. Yeah, week-long hike. We may have like a little donkey that you can ride some of the time. And the lady's going, are you crazy? I can't even see my feet and you want me to go and walk 90 miles? Well, that's that's what it was and it, it wasn't easy on them. And hey, when we get there, honey, we're not going to be in a hotel or an Airbnb or even a nice home. We're we're going to set up in a barn, and I think that'll be the ideal place for us to have our child. So I wonder in that journey, in that trip as Mary is, is going along and and then they get, finally get into Bethlehem and there's no room and they, they have to settle for this manger. I wonder if she held on to the promises that the angel gave her to say, this child will be great. The child I'm carrying is the son of the Most High and he's going to be a king and his, his, his rule will never end. You know, it's hard right now, but my hope is in the future, in the future of my child that will be great. That belief, that promise, that hope. So what is hope? You know, our common dictionary definition would would describe hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And that's That's a good definition of hope. It's a kind of a worldly hope. So it's the hope like, I I hope traffic isn't bad on Ashley Phosphate Road. Or I hope I find that perfect Christmas gift. Or I I hope my boss is in a good mood today. Or maybe, I hope Clemson will win against Carolina. Oops, I think that actually happened. Not that I watched it till about 11 o'clock last night, I don't even remember the score, 16 to 7 or something like that. (laughs) Sorry, Kurt, Pastor Kurt. But you guys had those spurrier years where I never thought we were going to have another win, and you did win last year, so it's only fair. You have to share in that. But that, that worldly hope is basically just wishful thinking. You know, as Christians... What is our authority? Our authority are the scriptures, are the word of God. So how would we describe biblical hope? Biblical hope can be described as the confident expectation of what God has promised. The confident expectation of what God has promised. So it's not just a feeling or desire for something to happen. It's that God said it. He promised it. We can believe it. Our hope is in the Lord. You know, before we, we really go into more of the biblical hope, let's talk about what hope is not. Let's talk about hopelessness. My kind of equation for hopelessness is hopelessness equals despair. You feel defeated. Nothing can be good now. Just give up. It'll, it'll never get better. I'll never get over this. You know, we will, we will all have problems well, I'll have pain in this life. And at some point, we've all felt that degree of hopelessness. And I believe that hopelessness most often results from putting your hope in something other than God. And the two that I often see are that you hope in a person or in man or you hope in your possessions or material things. So if your, your hope is in a person, maybe your hope is in the president, or your hope is in the new mayor of North Charleston, or maybe your hope is in a dynamic pastor in a fast-growing church. And then that right president is, is just about as good as the wrong president or as effective, or the new mayor gets embroiled in a controversy and city council splits. And that dynamic pastor gets involved in a moral failing and it splits the church and they dissolve and all hope is lost feel defeated that was because that hope was in man instead of God or you place your hope in your possessions or my hope is in my job and in my income my my hope is in my 401k or a bank account or, or I'll be okay once the car is paid for and then your company's purchased by another company And in the restructuring, you lose your position. And with one payment left on that car, you get in an accident and it's totaled. Or your savings account is wiped out due to an illness. It's misplaced hope. If your hope is in anything other than the Lord, you will be disappointed at some point. And when that happens, it's easy to fall into despair, defeat. I've talked about a program in Atlanta that that I I, I like to support. It's called No Longer Bound. And it is a year-long Christ-centered program for men that are struggling with alcohol and drug addiction. And so many of the men come into that program and they've lost all hope because they've lost their job, they've lost their home, they've lost family and friends because of their addiction. And they've tried again and again to get out of that and they stay locked in that cycle of addiction. But through this program, as they gain sobriety and they go day after day and get victory after victory, their hope returns. They, they know that No Longer Bound gives the facility, it gives an atmosphere and counseling. But God does that work. And God has been at that work since creation of redeeming mankind. So, if we're a Christian and our hope is in the Lord, then we never lose hope? As Christians, we're not immune to difficulty or tragedy. And many of us have had those dark seasons of our life, those dark valleys of the soul. But that's why I love the Bible. And Joe has mentioned this before, but just the honesty of the Scripture to show us men in the Bible, really heroes, of the scripture, who've struggled with the same things that we struggle with. And I like the story of Elijah, the prophet Elijah from the Old Testament. And Elijah has this mountaintop experience and then goes to the Valley of Despair. And this is how it kind of plays out. There's been a drought in the land for three years. And King Ahab has been searching for for Elijah and A lot of the prophets of God have been killed. Elijah challenges King Ahab, he says, meet me on Mount Carmel, and we're going to have a showdown. Bring all those prophets of Baal, the 450 prophets up, and what we're going to do is we're going to have two sacrifices. We're going to have this sacrifice for the Lord God of Israel, and we're going to have this sacrifice for Baal. And then we're going to call out to these gods, and the one that ignites the sacrifice who consumes it, that will be the true God. And we want all of Israel there to witness this. And so they meet, and they're up there, and he lets the prophets of Baal go first. And so the prophets of Baal, they cry out to their God, and they cut themselves, and he kind of taunts them, says, maybe your God's sleeping, and they yell louder, but nothing happens with their sacrifice but then Elijah says what are you going to do who are you going to serve the God of Israel or, or this prophet and so he prays to the Lord and he's put his bull on the altar of stone and wood and he's doused it three times and built a trench so that water flows out and when he prays to God God brings down fire from heaven it is so explosive and so hot that it burns the bull, it burns the wood, it burns even the stones and evaporates all the water. Can you imagine how powerful, what a scene that would have been for Elijah and for all the people of Israel? And then he says, don't let any of these prophets get away and they take them and they kill all the prophets of Baal, all the false prophets. And that's not the end. He goes and through the drought and he prays for rain. And the Lord brings the rain. But that's not the end. Then Elijah, under the power of the Holy Spirit, outruns Ahab's chariot all the way to Jezreel. So you look at that story and you say, wow, that is so incredible. God, I know I can depend on you. You're faithful. You're so powerful. What a display of your might and your glory. But then, Jezebel sends Elijah a death threat. Read with me in 1 Kings 19, 1-4. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came down and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my fathers. I'm done, Lord. Take me out. I've lost all hope. The people have consistently broken their covenant with you. They've worshipped these these false idols. They've killed the prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they want to kill me. Have you ever felt like Elijah? Just that sense of defeat. I mean, why bother? Why go on? It doesn't make any difference. I'm so hurt, and I'm in such pain. It's too much to bear. I'm tired. I just don't want to take another step. I can't go on. But the rest of that story is where the Lord comes to Elijah and speaks to him. He tells him, you're not the only prophet left. And there's 7,000 in Israel Who've not bowed bowed down to bail. Hopelessness makes us want to give up, to throw in the towel. But it can be a death sentence. Viktor Frankl, who was in the Nazi concentration camps and survived, he wrote a book, *Man's Search for Meaning*, and he talks about how hope for the future was the single most important factor in determining whether his fellow prisoners would survive the concentration camps or not. And he writes, the prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future was doomed. With his loss of belief in the future, he also lost his spiritual hold. He let himself decline and become subject to mental and physical decay. Viktor Frankl knew that he had to find hope had to find something to live for. And for him, it was to see his family again. It was to write this book. And he believed that every hardship that he endured in that concentration camp would make him stronger for his future. So what's your hope? What's your hope today? What, what helps to keep you moving forward? What do you hold on to in the difficult seasons of your life? You know, we talked about the Old Testament Elijah prophet, and I'd like to talk about another prophet from the Old Testament, Micah. Read with me Micah 7-7. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. So you would think with Micah, well, his circumstances must have been a lot better than Elijah's. But actually, and those verses 1 through 6 of that 7th chapter, he tells you about the time that he's living in. And it's a time of violence. There's rampant idol worship. It's a time of wickedness where the leaders loved evil and hated good. They twisted justice. They accepted bribes. There was family against family. But despite all this, Micah says, I look to the Lord for help. I will wait confidently for God to save me. My God will certainly hear me. Like Micah, we can hope in the Lord. We can look with that same expectation. We can lean in because hope is not dependent on your circumstances. Hope is not dependent on your circumstances. Micah says, my God will hear me. I wait for God my Savior. Micah knew that the Lord heard him. That the living God hears us and he's compassionate and he's merciful. That he rescues and redeems. He redeems situations. He redeems the heartaches in our life. And God is near. He's never too far away for us to go and run into his arms. And all things will eventually fall away, but God remains. He is the rock, and with him, we have confidence, assurance, faithfulness. It's true hope because God is unchanging. He is the same God he was for Elijah and Micah. He's that same God today, and he will be the same God tomorrow. So in him, we have our hope, and hope is that confident expectation of what God promised so here we are in advent we're focusing on hope what can we hope for what has god promised read with me in isaiah chapter 9 for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, for this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When Jesus was born into this world, Jesus is hope in the flesh. Because of Jesus, our future is secure. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, no matter what happens here in this life, you have an eternal destiny in heaven, a forever life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. You know, and I love the phrase, there in Isaiah, of peace there will be no end. Can you imagine that? Never ending peace? I mean, life here can be so hectic and hurried and filled with conflict. And have you ever said this? If I could just get a moment of peace. If I could just get a little peace, I think I could go on. Well, Jesus' peace is forever. It's never ending. And we can have that incredible love in our life because we're going to go through lows and feel like it's over but we can lean into the arms of Jesus who said he will never leave us or forsake us it's a promise Jesus said it and hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised the psalmist says for God alone oh my soul wait in silence for my hope is from him. And ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when sin entered the world, God has set out to redeem humanity from the consequences of sin. The lack of peace or a sense of hopelessness and despair all trace back to the condition of a fallen world. And we were born with this sinful nature, but God's redemptive plan includes the fallen nature of our world and our culture and our very own hearts. Our Savior Jesus is is not just our hope here today or the hope of Israel, but he is the hope of the whole world. So what do we do with this hope that we have in Jesus? We're going to display the the up in and out triangle. And as you as you look at that triangle, the the up is our relationship with the Lord. Our time spent with him in prayer, our time spent reading his word, meditating on it, our time just worshiping him on our own. And then the end is our corporate time together, like what we're doing right now. Worshiping together, holding each other accountable, learning together, having fellowship with each other, sharing meals, and sharing each other's burdens together. The out. The out is where we share the hope that we have in Jesus. We believe Jesus is our hope. And in him, we can have peace and an abundant life now. And that we confidently are journeying toward heaven. We know that Jesus died on a cross to take away our sin. And we know he's coming in. So our out is to share that hope. There are so many people in our neighborhood next door, at work, who are living without hope. They, they know something's missing. They recognize there's this void inside them and, and they're trying to fill it with the things of this world. You know, they're trying to fill it with wealth or position, recognition or fame, material possessions. You know, once I have the big house or once I get the new car, Or once I get that promotion, or how about this one? Once I marry that perfect man or that perfect woman, I will be complete. Or movies like Jerry Maguire, you complete me. But you will never be fully complete. You will never fill that that void because it's the void that only God can fill. And here's the best part. Jesus wants to fill that void. He wants to save. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that we can be his children. For not only an abundant life here right now, but forever in heaven. So so as Christians, we have a hope in a redeemed future. You can always remain striving and trying to fill that void in a hopeless world, or you can trust your life to Jesus Christ and live with eternity in mind. And there's no doubt about it, this life can be hard. And before Christ, we were powerless against it and against sin. But now we have the power of God to fight back. Pastor Joe passed, pointed out last Sunday that before we were redeemed by Christ, we were, we're actually in the dominion of Satan. But as believers in Jesus, we don't have to live under Satan's ways. We can have a new life in Christ. So instead of the chaos and brokenness and emptiness, we can have peace and restoration and be filled with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So we need to share the hope that we have. And we can live our lives in such a way that people see a difference in us. So that even in the midst of of difficulties people would ask how can this person walk in such hope when they're facing what they're facing how does she have such peace why are they so kind to everyone you know there's a story that illustrates this point it's called the the story of the wise woman and it's one of those that's been passed down you know the ones that say author unknown but I love this story I would like to read it to you a wise woman who was traveling in the mountains found a precious stone in a stream. The next day she met another traveler who was hungry, and the wise woman opened her bag to share her food. The hungry traveler saw the precious stone and asked the woman to give it to him. She did so without hesitation. The traveler left, rejoicing in his good fortune He knew the stone was worth enough to give him security for a lifetime. But a few days later, he came back to seek out the woman and return the stone to her. I've been thinking, he said, I know how valuable this stone is, but I give it back in the hope that you can give me something even more precious. Give me what you have within you that enabled you to give me the stone. And as Christians, we have something inside us that's more valuable than all the wealth in the world. We have eternity with Jesus, the assurance of the life to come and living life to the fullest. Does your life reflect that Jesus resides in you? Are you willing to share the hope that you have in Jesus? Are you willing to tell your neighbor or your coworker that, hey, you too can live with the same hope that I have? You can have this redeemed future. Jesus, in Matthew, his words say, Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 through 30, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's so hard to go through life without Jesus. Encourage others to lay down those burdens and rest in Him. You know, I personally can still struggle with sharing my faith. You know, I want to have just the right words. I want to have just the right illustration or Bible passages ready to go. But you know, the truth is that we each have our own story. I have my story, my conviction of sin and knew that I needed a Savior. And I have the undeniable change that came into my life when I accepted Jesus and the incredible peace and assurance that I had because of that. I have all these answered prayers my treatment, and and so many others. I've seen God's faithfulness in my life. So we can all share our own story, our own personal experiences. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. One last story to illustrate this point, and it's a weird story because it's about a fire hydrant. So there's a little fire hydrant in San Francisco and they paint it gold every year. And it's really to commemorate the importance of this fire hydrant from the 1800s. In the late 1800s, San Francisco suffered this massive earthquake. And it was 7.9 on the Richter scale. So it was devastating within the city. Structures and houses were torn apart. But also, that earthquake ruptured the gas lines. And they ignited. And fires spread throughout San Francisco. Well, not only were the gas lines ruptured, but the water lines were ruptured as well. So the fire hydrants weren't working, but there was one fire hydrant in the city of San Francisco that sat on a hill that was operational. And so they would take the horse-drawn fire wagons and they would load them up and they would go and fight the fire, and all the people got involved in utilizing this one fire hydrant and they were able to save the entire Mission District and several of the surrounding neighborhoods. So this one fire hydrant saved countless lives and property. Think of how this fire hydrant made an enormous difference in San Francisco. You know, it was a tremendous encouragement and help to the people that needed it. They were going to perish without it. And although it looks small and insignificant, it made a huge impact. And it's true of every believer that's here this morning. No matter if you feel little or insignificant, you are redeemed to make an impact on others. And your personality, your characteristics, what makes you uniquely you, no one in the world is exactly like you. So share your testimony, share your story in your own individual and unique way. You never know the impact that it will have on others. I'd like to ask the worship team if they can start making their way to the stage. And I want you to watch a video. The video describes the lost in our world and the lostness that so many have.
4: We hear it in the voices of the hurting. We sense it in the brokenness of the world around us. Lostness is a blindness to the promise and hope of the gospel that leads to eternal separation from the Father. The world's greatest problem is lostness and it's growing every day. Eight billion people living in 195 countries speaking over 7,000 languages. Today, more than half have yet to hear the good news of the gospel. The vision God gives us in Revelation 7, 9. A multitude from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, fuels our desire to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But we must be willing to go further than we've ever gone before. To the very edges of lostness, where more than 3,000 people groups have no missionary presence and likely no access to the gospel, no one is engaging them. Together, we can change that. We know the love and hope and peace of the gospel. We know the way, the truth, and the life. We know the power of true redemption. We will not ignore lostness. We will not be silent. We will not stand still from the great commission until the great multitude. We must unite in this great pursuit to reach every nation, no matter the cost.
5: We have a beautiful hope in Jesus Christ, and that is something that we should want to share with others. So we're going to sing about just that. I want to invite you guys to stand and join us as we worship.
3: Share our hope. You know, we have that video, the lost, lostness. You see all those millions of people that need Jesus. And Do you know how you reach them? You start with just one. And I'm sure the Lord's put somebody on your heart. There's someone that you know that needs Jesus. Begin praying for them. And then ask the Lord for that opportunity to share your story, your testimony, the hope that you have in Jesus. And just like that little fire hydrant, you never know the impact that you might make. So, have a blessed week. We'll
5: see you next week.